You are listening to Crosstalk. A safe place to discuss addiction, recovery, harm reduction, and everything in between. Support for this podcast comes from the Kentucky Opioid Response Effort and Advocates of Recovery. Content and production by the team at Turning Point Recovery Community Center. Now, buckle up and get ready for the show. Welcome everyone to Crosstalk Recovery, the recovery podcast that supports all forms of recovery. I'm Matt Lewis, and today I'm here with Sam Peterson, Sarah Tinsley, Dan Malloy. Dan, how's it going today? Tell us a little bit about what you do. Appreciate you guys having me here today. This is awesome. Uh, it's always, again, it demonstrates that uh, COVID locked us down. And I finally, actually, it's been a couple years to finally actually meet Sam and Thelma and Brandon in person. You don't realize how long we've been apart. <laughs> yeah. so, actually, been I am the director of operations for an organization called Operation to Save Lives and QRT National. That might sound like a mouthful, but the, there's a little story behind that. If it's, it's two chiefs up in Boston, two chiefs of police, retired, Scott Allen and Mike Bottieri. They were doing work 2014, 15, 16 within their county, their area up in Massachusetts to mm-hmm. figure out got to do something different right. can't just arrest that we hear this term arrest our way out of it they were leaders in the field they were changing the game didn't know them back then because about what i was doing back in cincinnati ohio was very similar working in cooperation with folks that we never worked with before public health treatment providers all these folks that understood what the disease of addiction yeah. was all about working with police and fire so we met back in 2020 during covid and decided to heck we're going to work together so Operation of Slave Lives was there, QRT National was mine, and we're like, let's just stand together on the stage together. So in January of 21, we joined forces, and we've been rock and rolling ever since. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, we, we've been starting doing that around here. I haven't had a chance to go out on uh, but one call. I know that Sam and Sarah have gone out on several. Uh, it's a great uh, organization. We appreciate what you guys are doing, man, mm-hmm. saving lives, uh, forming those connections and bonds with people, showing them that you care. You know, that's really awesome. I know Absolutely. for me, when uh, I was I was getting ready to get out of treatment, you know, I had stayed and been a peer mentor for over six months, and I knew I was going to work in recovery somewhere. And I heard about Turning Point starting this QRT team. It was just getting off, off uh, you know, off of its first legs, and I was like, they told me a little bit about it, and I was like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to do. I want to do that right there. I want to meet people where they're at on the street and try to help some people. I've, working in a recovery center is great. It's great work, but you know, you just it's it's, it's it can get mundane at times, you know, because it's just the same thing over and over. QRT is exciting. That's yes. what I found out. It's you don't know what you're going to get into, and that's why I enjoy it so much. And then, I, I mean, one of the beautiful benefits I see to it as well is that it brings the recovery community along together with law enforcement, EMS. You know, I know yeah. back back home the guys back home they had rested me several times, but you know they'd really <laughs> never seen me sober. Absolutely. Right. So not only does it give it gives the officer the chance to see what the finished product is, yeah. with right. this it's thing important. sometimes. Well, and that's you know, like I was sharing back in thirteen and fourteen, there were, there were no peers. Yeah, it was licensed clinical social workers, and many of them had lived experience and were and went back to school and got that, but. What we learned in 17 is when we were able to introduce peers into our team, and I was like, see, this is cool. What you find is you start out as 
officer so-and-so or such and such or Mr. or Miss such and then it's just like Sarah, Sam, Dan, Matt, we're just friends. And it's like, right. so how did you, what did you do last weekend? What did, you know, it's like right. we forget and there's baggage that carries with wearing a badge on your chest. Sure. You know, so yeah. by the time we, we realize we're just human beings, we're just people, we do stuff. Right. We have things. We take care of business this way, but we become friends and we help each other out. That is like, again, that unintended benefit, the relationships. And I always say, you guys represent your living, breathing, walking representation of hope and success. So when people meet you guys, it, it's possible. It's possible. Like the, the care ad, when they go around the room at the end of the day, today, and they're asking one word, it's possible is the word really that jumps in my head. It's like right. doing things differently is possible if we give it a chance. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Doesn't work. How what needs to work best? And that's kind of the where there was no Google. I didn't Google anything way back in 2013. I didn't, I didn't do any of that. It was like, got to do something. Community keeps asking the question as a, police chief, as a director of public safety, as a community leader, they're hoping that we're doing something. They hope we're working with guys like you. Except I didn't know there were the fine folks like you. I didn't know <laughs> there were organizations out you there to, like, to say, we'll work with you. Yeah. And, you know, when, and when I met with the director, the CEO of the Cincinnati Addiction Services Council, Nan Franks, and I laid out what I want to do. I want to work collectively together. I want to proactively engage. I want to follow up overdoses, but I also know we have people at risk, and I need let's get to them before the 911 call, all those kinds of conversations. She just looked at me, and she goes, it's going to work. And I'm like, how do you know? She goes, I'm going to tell you right now, we're eliminating the barriers that keep people at risk from walking in our front door. And I'm like, well, tell me, because, I again, I'm educating myself. I'm... I'm, I'm a cop. I'm not an expert in the field of addiction. And she says, bus tokens, cell phone minutes. The, I don't know what is behind that door. How is that person at the front desk going to look at me and judge me, talk to me? I'll just not go. I'm hmm. not going to do it, and I'll, I'll be able to do it myself or all those kinds of things. But when you go to where they are, it demonstrates that they you care enough to try and find them. And when you're at your lowest and your self-esteem is low, your self-confidence is low, and people that represent something in your community, and that's where I believe the police and fire and EMS involvement represents it, the people that you didn't think cared about you are actually seeking you out with experts that know what this is going to feel like, and we're going to help you. It just blows people's mind. Like, right. you came for me? And those things, I always said it, one thank you or one hug, I got you. It's all it's going to take. Once you get that opportunity to have that look in their eye, a parent's hug, a person's anything, you're going to be like, oh, this is the best job I've ever had. And, you know, you guys were talking about that. It's, it, it's kind of the feeling. It's just like this is why we signed up to do this work. This is, this, we're talking about people. We're talking about lives, man. And this is so, so cool. So to see it grow... And to see and, and just sit on, you know, we do these monthly calls, you know, with the teams in Kentucky. Just to sit back and hear the good work that's being done. Because every, every good work is tied to a person, a family, a neighborhood. Commu- I mean, it all has connections. And it's reminding people that we, there are good people in the world, right? Doing good work. Very, very cool. 
We'll be right back. I'm Joe. This is Christy. We're from Neartown Recovery Center. We are a state licensed short-term residential treatment center for men with addiction. If you're hopeless and broken and can't quit on your own, come join our family and let us love you until you can love yourself. Give us a call at 270-489-2594 and find us on Facebook under Neartown Recovery. Very nice. One of my favorite QRT calls, I went on, <clears throat> we went out to a house. The The girl was living there by herself. Um, the, the mom had just been transported to the hospital. There was no lights, no water, anything. <clears throat> the biggest hurdle was finding a place for this girl's dog, and she was ready to go to treatment. But that was one of our biggest hurdles. We've, we've worked on that now where we can really react on it, but the sheriff that responds like, hold on, I know somebody that works at the animal shelter called somebody out, found a place for the dog for a few days until the mother got out of the hospital, and bam, she was off to treatment. And, of course, not all of them go that way. No, yeah. but, right. but what you learn right. is that I didn't think about that. You learn almost <laughs> every day there's something else that we didn't know yesterday that, oh, we better figure out that dog thing. Because right. people love their dogs, because mm-hmm. that dog might be the only thing they think loves them. Mm-hmm. So huge. you would be surprised the people that that keeps them from going into treatment or getting help, you know, sure. because they don't know what to do with their animals. Well, they, or, that, yeah, that's the thing that they can always count on the per the right. animal, the living, breathing thing that looks at them and loves them every day, no matter what. Right. 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 The other part of it was the sheriff that <clears throat> went on. Me, he's like, you know, I've been out to this house eight times and talked to this girl. He said, you and the girl that was with you went in there for 15 minutes, and she come out and said she was ready to go to treatment. I said, it was just because we had been We've where been she there. <laughs> been there. Yeah. yeah. I said, sometimes it's just a different approach. And, it is. And uh, I said, the thing is, it wasn't us. It wasn't just me and her. It was us. That yeah. We did this. Excellent. Right. Yeah. You know, you're part of this. This We're all doing this together. Yeah. That's it's, cool. I mean, that's, I mean, that's cool. But I, I, I'll share. I get to share stories. That was always the thing is. You know, I sat back and I heard the stories, and it, and it, but it got to a point when I was working that my board didn't require that I give them stats. Stats are just so, eh, it's just stats. Tell us a story. Mm-hmm. So every month I'd tell them a story, and they'd be like, man, this is unbelievable. This is so cool. And one story was fire department got called to a, like a, a 90-year-old man that fell and hurt himself and go to the hospital, load up the family. There was a young girl there that was there, and, and uh, she had actually gotten home and, and found him and called 911. Get to the hospital, get him all taken care of, and the young lady walks up to the medic. And says, do, you, do you remember me? Because ah, I'm sorry, I don't. Because you, you don't remember me? I'm sorry, I, I don't. Because you, you, you're part of the QRT team. You came and you, you saved me. Oh. And she said, well, goes, what's your name? And then he said, because he came in my office as soon as the run was over. Boss, let me tell you the story. She's telling me the story. And I'm, he goes, and then like, oh. And I'm looking at her. And then tell me your name. And he's like, oh, my God. I won't say what he said to her. But he just said, you're fill in the blank, beautiful. You're mm-hmm. effing gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And then it started processing his brain as they were walking back out to the squad. If she had died. Who would have been there to save her grandpa? Right. right. No one else, no one would have come home that day and yeah. found grandpa. So how long would it have been before grandpa passed because of in distress? Yeah. So he goes, it, 
Because I always supported it. I always knew it was the right thing to do, but it was that moment in time that realized every life connects to another. Everybody has something else. Every Absolutely. Resp- because it's just like, oh. I'm like, well, just do me one favor. Share that story. Share right. that with your police officer friends, your, your firefighters from other departments, because that is the stuff that makes us go, oh, man. So this stuff is real. The reality is a big deal. So it, I don't know. It, again, wow. I still get goosebumps sitting here talking yeah. about this because they're talking about people, right? Yeah. Yeah. People are alive because you guys and others choose to say, we're going to do things a little bit differently. That's powerful. You know, I really figured when we first start was. The first one that you and I went on, was that the first one you had been on? Yeah, that's the That's the first first. The first I one we so. ever did. I just wanted to make sure before I said that. But, you know, when we left that, and we were both so nervous on the way that we were excited, <laughs> we were nervous, you know, but we really figured at some point in time we would get a few doors slammed in our face. Like, it was just part of it. You right. know, you've got to be okay with it. It's going to happen. Not That hasn't happened yet. Good for Not you. Not a single time. Now, people have been standoff, or maybe they just don't know how to accept somebody caring about them. Or not come to the door. Them, or not come to the door. <laughs> but as far as someone just being like, no. get away, we don't want your help, you're not, you know, it's just never happened. Everybody's at least always heard us out and was glad to hear what we had to say. Most people really seemed, you know, impressed and uh, that, that we were there. You know, they felt cared for, well, like you said. People. And they oftentimes... The story starts to track within the community. Mm-hmm. That's what we learned: is that people were talking. They were expe- like, "We were expecting you yesterday." Like, <laughs> really? Yeah, I was ready. I was waiting. Wow. I've been waiting. You know, where have you been? And like, oh my goodness! Or I brought my girlfriend. Can she come too? I, I, I you know, she's she's ready. Or yeah. I have six cousins here. Can you help them too? Absolutely. So yeah, it doesn't have to be an overdose. And that's the, no. we can engage wherever. Thank you. We don't want to engage after an overdose. We don't want someone to necessarily die, you know, through an overdose and then be returned to life through Narcan. We want to, well, let's find you when you're, when we can figure this thing out together. Before and do it gets best there. Yes. Right. So, I mean, it's just like, uh, it's really powerful to see how the community is changing the mindset and changing the attitude. And again, our man, my partner, she goes, I wish we would have gauged the relationship that the community had with the police before we started. So we would truly understand how much this has impacted the long term because we became, I mean, I I I still live there. I still see people in the community. I see them at a Kroger store or something like that. They'll still talk to me. And the first thing is, you know, we're still doing good. You know, congratulate. You know, that's awesome. And yeah, I know you say you you seen it when you were in the police force. Addiction touches every Everyone. person. Yes, uh, it doesn't matter where you grew up, how much money you make, right. who who your parents were, where you went to school, whether you went to school. Addiction touches can touch anyone. Sure, and um, you know, I think that when people realize that, you know, for me when I realized so many people were cared whether i was sober or not was just amazing yeah i didn't think anybody cared about me well when i had this idea i talked to you guys before we started this podcast about the impact we had with domestic violence and and demonstrating that bringing people together through services and giving them a support network gave people the power the victims of crime to say you know what i'm done and i can i can transition that and they told us there was a there's a Real similar parallel to survivors of family violence to survivors of, of the overdose, the battle of the addiction. And I, if that was in my mind, and you start, so I 
talk to a young friend. He was a friend. He's now just a tremendous friend. But at the beginning, was just a, a firefighter, fell off a roof, prescribed Percocet, addiction, crime, 20 years in prison. That's what he was facing. Make a long story short, he got into a program in the jail, wow. and it helped him. He's, but I asked him, I said, this is what I want to do. Before we started doing this, I said, I want to, I want to show up at your door. I want to have the experts, and I want to be there for you. And he's like, why would you do that? Why would you care? Mm-hmm. And we've heard that over the past how many years, right? Why would you care about me? I'm like, that's not the point. It's the right thing to do. You deserve it. It's, it doesn't define you. It's what you're going through. How can we connect you to help and services? And it was important to me as a first responder, like, how many firefighters, how many police officers are getting injured in the line of duty? And right. could, it be, could be in a similar journey, right? We just, we just don't know it because we don't spend time with them because they're no longer in service. And he's like, I just don't know why you do this. I'm a criminal. I committed crimes. He said, I sold drugs to feed my, you know. Right. I, I'd never hurt anybody, but I, in my mind, that was the rationale is I'm not breaking into people's houses. I'm not causing right. them harm. Mm-hmm. I'm just selling drugs to the people that want it. Right. Yeah. And he, you know. As we learned through this, and we did it, he just kept saying, and then he he got his record expunged last year. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. And he's like, so what are you going to do? He says, I'm, I'm going to go on a cruise. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't have a passport, can't, yeah. can't have, you know, all this thing. And I'm like, yeah. and I didn't know that. I didn't, and again, I didn't, didn't think about that. And he goes, I just want to say something to you. Because I just want to thank you. And this is the question, this is to you guys is when you engage with people and they realize how much that you do care. Because that's what kept me. Those mornings that I got up, those days in the afternoon, I'm thinking, man, I'd love to. I don't want to let those guys down. Right. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to let Sam down. I don't want to let Sarah down. I don't want to let Matt down. I don't want to let Dan down. Because that gave me the, no, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm, uh, today's not going to be the day. These folks are working on for me. They're my friends. And he, he said, what? He goes, I pick up the phone. You know, like, why? You know, why'd you wonder why I called you? Mm-hmm. You know, just to shoot, no, because I was struggling that day, and it was just reminded that you care about me, and you're my friend. I'm like, wow, this is so much bigger than, you know, what we were thinking. Mm-hmm. This is We're talking about real people in real situations, so uh, yeah. it's your look, the, whether you get that feedback or not, those things are happening because they just, like, appreciate the heck out of you guys being there for them. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I know, <clears throat> I know for me... This is the most rewarding job I could ever ever have. I think spiritually. I mean, you know, my inside gets filled up on on a regular basis of right. getting watching people get sober and get family back and get kids back and you know just. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, could there be a better job as far as that? I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I'm, not for me anyway. There's a lot of folks like you, and people ask me that all the time. Is well, do you miss, you know, 30 years I spent? I miss the people. But what I love about this work, getting to work with folks like you guys, and is I love working with people that care every day. And they have a passion and an energy to serve and that are willing to, to you know what, I'm willing to learn. I'm willing, I understand that we're, we're kind of young in all this work. We're doing a lot of stuff that's different. We're, in, we're kind of... Learning while we're, you know, as they say, we're building the airplane while it's flying down the runway sometimes. Yeah. But I love that energy. That, it almost feels like it's not work. You know what I mean? It's just like we, we get to get up and help people. Yeah. Absolutely. That's cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love it. How many QRT teams are there nationwide now, you think? 
Well, we, we've got over 80 in Ohio. We've got about 40 in, in West Virginia. We have our, our that, we, that are part of core, we probably have, you know, close to 13 in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in North Carolina. They're in Indiana. And the work's being done up on the East Coast, up in the Massachusetts area. They might call them post-overdose outreach teams and things of that nature. So there's, there's, a, there's quite a few. They did a national survey earlier this year. And over 25% of the communities that responded were engaging in, in QRT. Nice. So mm-hmm. the model is, again, the model is built around, it's a people-focused model driven by the needs of the people. How Like I said, what's this, people ask, what's the script? Like you say, <laughs> I'm going out there, what am I going to say, what yeah. am I going to say? It's real simple, how can I help you today? Mm-hmm. It's, there's, no, there's no science behind it. It's not... We're not splitting the atom here. It's like, no. what can I do for you? We and always lead with, or try to, one of the very first things that comes out of our mouth is we are people in recovery. So automatically they can, you know, it's not, who is uh, this coming to right. my door with the, you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it's not where it's not intimidating. It's just first off, we've been there. Right, you know? we're here for you. And I think that makes people able to relate easier or more open to listen to what you're saying. Because somebody that's never been through it, they can only understand so much, right. you know. We want them to know, like, we have been right where you are, you know. And I think that, again, that, oh, wow. Even to the families. Yeah. Someone that knows what, not only what Dan's going through, but what we're going through as parents. And I always used to say, man, we gotta, we've got to be certain service to the families. Because they're not, op- they're not running outside and telling all the neighbors, hey, I just want to let you know, Dan's, you know, Dan's suffering from addiction. He's probably the one that broke into your car or he's doing right, this. Right. Right. Yeah, right. He did this. They're, they're closing the blinds and shutting the doors and just hoping somebody like you guys mm-hmm. shows up, but they don't believe it's going to happen until they start learning about it. And that's what people told us. We just prayed that someday, because they're expecting us to show up, people like me, with tragic news. Mm-hmm. You know, that something terrible's happened. Their, their family member's been responsible for it or they suffered from it. And the fact that you're here saying, hey, we're here for you. It's just, like I said, we're either crying or hugging in the first five minutes. That's, oh, yeah. that's the oh, engagement. Yeah. It's like, oh, my gosh, you're here and you're here to help? What the heck? And they're squeezing on you, you know? I mean, like I said, my first guy was 6'5", 260. Oh. You, know? <laughs> you know, he'd run through hell in a gasoline suit for you. But he would do anything. And he's like, oh, this is. And like I said, he was a drug cop for me. He was, he would, he loved chasing bad guys. Yeah. But when he retired to this was that I had more impact on people and their lives. This was the best job I ever had. That's and awesome. I'm like that. Thank you. You couldn't put, yeah. you know, put that on a billboard or something. Right. Cause right. Uh, it's just your point, Sam. How, how do you not get this? It is. It's very cool. We'll be right back. Son. Son. My boy, he's on the he's on the floor. He's cold. He's okay, we've got an overdose, sir. What's going on? Do you know what the We're boy on told? Our way to the hospital. What's his name? It's Jake. 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 Can you hear me? You're on your way to the hospital right now. Just stay with me. All right. <clears throat> We're glad you're okay. We'll take care of everything else later. How are you? When you're overwhelmed and unsure of the next step, Turning Point Community Recovery Center's quick response team of peer supports is here to help. Collaborating with Four Rivers Behavioral Health to create a plan that's right for you. 
The peer support team understands because they've been in the same situation and recovered. Don't let this crisis go unanswered. I'm going to talk about, talk about the other part of QRT, too. We do, we do a lot of harm reduction, which is Narcan is ex, distribution is big mm-hmm. for us. It's, I mean, and Sarah, tell a little bit about what you're doing. Well, we have, um, we started going door to door. We, we picked uh, a few places in Paducah, and then we've, we've done Graves County as well. Um, and we literally just have a little rolly suitcase, um, our name badge on, and go knock on your door ask you how you are. I always try to lead with, do you have a loved one or a family member? Because people are, well, of course, I don't need that. Why would you think that, you know, they get offended? <laughs> They're a family member, a friend. You know, addiction touches everybody, but this is who we are, what we do. Will you take some literature on our program? Will you take some information and some Narcan and fentanyl test strips if anybody possibly needs it? Now, in that instance, I have had a few doors shut in my face. <laughs> we have been ran off a couple times, um, and that's okay. But we have also had great, great, great success. Like, um, you know, we we ran into one guy. He had three years of sobriety, but he had a brother that lived in the same trailer court as him. Um, and he had overdosed a few weeks ago. Um we didn't get an answer from his door. We just left the Narcan on the door, you know, but knowing that somebody needed that and, and we got it there, um, we have all kinds of people that are like, yeah, my daughter, you know, my sister, my friend, whatever. And, um, you know, when we get that in the hands of people that it might could really save somebody's life, you know, sure. so I'll take a few doors slammed in my face. <laughs> well, you talk about what you we call that canvassing. Okay. You know, we... Canvassing. I was a big fan of canvassing from my law enforcement days, proactively engaged community members, and we we built in the questions like, you know, well, how can we help you? How can we be a more – what are the things you identify within your community that are most concerning to you? And it could be speeders down the street or they're breaking into right. cars. But, right. you know, but if, if we saw trends in – Bikes and overdoses. We would look. Okay, where are those occurring? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's get into that neighborhood. And yeah. you know, to your point, we we hit. I forget every. We hit every street in 2017 in my community that was impacted by an overdose. We looked mm-hmm. at all the overdose data and said, "I'm gonna. I want every street canvassed." And I just so happened that I took on my street a member of the media with me, and there were 14 houses on this little street. The first house, to your point making they were cooking it was a saturday morning she comes to the door and she's we hand her the information it was about fentanyl and the impact mm-hmm. we're having it we we're having a community meeting to talk about syringe service programs at the time they were calling it needle exchange we we're going to talk about it we're going to understand more about it and she says you know what i'm doing in here she says i'm cooking for a family gathering we're planning the the funeral of my niece who was <sighs> she was her her body was dumped from a vehicle down the city of cincinnati and I, that was the first house we Touched. The first one you went. It's like, okay, so we kind of re- – and the, and the media guy was like, oh, my goodness. Went to the next couple houses to leave in the literature. There's a woman outside the driveway, and she's got a little one running around, and she's on the phone. I'm just like, ma'am, just want to give you some information. Yeah. If you need anything, we're – you know, it's all right there. We're going to be meeting from the community. And she goes, yeah. she goes, guess what these guys want? She's talking in her phone. Yeah. They're talking about fentanyl. How about that? Could you have talked about it more? This is an important issue for me. I'm talking to my sister right now. So it obviously there's another impacted family. Mm-hmm. Go around the final house on the street. It's a Saturday morning. It's a big guy. I mean, big dudes in his recliner laying all the way back, and he's watching Saturday morning cartoons. So you're looking through the front door, and you're thinking, 
got this big guy watching cartoons, and he comes up from the recliner and goes, what do you want? I said, we're here. Just want to let you know that there's, we're seeing increasing levels of fentanyl. We're concerned about it. We want to be touched. Just so you know, there's an, there was an overdose in your area. We're just getting into the community and just let them know that we're here. We're going to be meeting on Monday. And he looks at me. He goes, so. And, of course, he's looking down at me because he's probably about six foot six. And he says, so are you pro-arrest or pro-treatment? Wow. Wow. And I said, that's a great question. And, of course, the little, the little media guy, he was standing behind me, you know, down the way. And I'm like, that, that's a great question because it depends. Yeah. Not there, there's no one answer for anyone. It's what can we do for you based on what your circumstances are, your support network, because that's what we want to talk about. That's what we're going to educate for. And he goes, he goes, well, my little niece, she's she's struggling real bad. She's this and that, and she's got the whole family all worked up. So he broke down, and and it was just like, oh my gosh, you j-, again to your point, you just don't know nope. right. mm-hmm. who you're engaging, and if you're willing to do that. The things that you can learn, and we had a big community meeting on, you know, syringe service programs and things of that nature, and that next week, and a lot of those folks that we engaged in that canvas were there and thanking us for opening up the conversation. Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, at that point in time, I used to tell myself, I'm teaching myself because I'm not sure that the, the Dan in this person in this conversation understands what that chief or that director needs to understand mm-hmm. as a leader in the community. Because I was still trying to learn. Like I said, I'm still flying down the runway with trying to build the plane at the same time. So, But I knew we had to do something different, and I wasn't completely sold on the importance of syringe service until I started really learning and listening and asking questions and realizing that it's 360 degrees. Right. You know, it, it's not – if we collectively provide a multitude of services and capabilities, we can engage people at different points in time – then we maybe can connect them. If I'm getting a number of folks connected through my engagement with the QRT, what about the rest? Well, if you know, if we know that we're compassionate and human and and uh, service at the syringe service program at the exchange, there's going to be a point in time that they folks that come in there on a weekly basis might realize that you know what I think I'm ready and they trust us enough. So we're getting not just the folks that are <coughs> overdosing, we're getting the folks that are in good shape. So it was like, okay, this makes. Okay, I just looked at my. I often called myself stupid. I'm like stupid. This just makes too dang much sense. We got to work together so we can yeah. give these folks whatever's necessary. All three of us here get to go to Graves County occasionally. Mm-hmm. One of us every week goes and works in their their exchange program. Mm-hmm. And I've I've been there when. What did you do? What, yeah. What was your life? What made your life different? And next thing you know, we're we're getting them a bed date that day and sending yeah. them to treatment and. Then, you know, getting somebody started on the right path. Yeah, I mean, it. But I was the the things, the stories that impacted me again, being from the other side of this conversation was that going the syringe. That's the only place that people smile at me, that ask me, "How you doing?" And I know that they're they really care. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. No one's. They know what I'm all about because I'm there. Yeah. But they asked me, and I believe that they truly care about whether I'm okay. And that's Absolutely. A, that's why I come back because this and that. If you don't treat people well and to demonstrate <laughs> that we care about them, will they come back? I mean, the power right. of that is, is important, right? It is. The um, the lady that runs mm-hmm. the exchange and graves, the ones that we go to, um, where we go to weekly. She is the most caring, compassionate. Like, and it's just so. There are people that. 
they also have like hygiene items and food and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, as well. And um, I've seen at least two or three people that have gotten clean and are no longer coming for syringes, but they literally just stop in yeah. to get food, get seen that. You know, towels, body, whatever, hygiene stuff, and just to, hey, I'm, you know, I'm doing good. They literally stop just to it's see amazing. her, communicate with her, like, the love that comes out of her to these people. She she just has no judgment in her, no, like, it. Uh, she's ha- the person for have that. Have you had that with the QRT, if folks come back to visit you yet? Oh, yeah. Yes, see? people start coming to our meetings in our, in our bag with the test strips, the Narcan right. uh, literature about our program. We always put a meeting schedule. And yeah, we've we've had people come into our meetings that they, you know, have that's you ever really been cool, here before? No, and that that's how they that's how they heard about us. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> literature is so important. You know, a lot of times you only get that short, brief instance with people, but seeing somebody come back in the door, yeah, I mean, it's just awesome. Now we have a picture of a we use it in one of our slides in one of our presentations. This young man, he wasn't intravenous drug use, but he was alcohol, mm-hmm. and he. I could say a name, and he fit that description because he would get to such levels of intoxication, and he would repeatedly dial nine one one and be a problem. And we would arrest him. And it, it, make a long story short, we again, if you talk about arresting your way out of it, we arrested him so many times. Oh yeah, never the it, the involvement of the team, the involvement mm-hmm. of the services. I got a picture of him where he used to, he would come back every week just to check in, just to stop by and say hello, and just yeah. just. It was, you know, again, you learn that there's more to this person than just that interaction. This person is a, this is a bump in the road. This bump yeah. in the road doesn't define who you are. This is the person. It was cool to see that, wow, this way that we felt about this guy. And he didn't like us either. But over time, <laughs> we, we both opened our eyes to the realization that we're not all bad folks, you know. It was no. cool. Very, very cool. A smile and a how you doing can mean so much to somebody that's in, not in a good place at the sure. moment, you know. Uh, everybody that walks, you know, because of course we're a community center, so people walk in. And the guys come in and they they'll start out just getting a cup of coffee and running out the door, and then slowly over time, that now they're sitting yeah. in our lobby having conversations, and cool. it just, it's just it's yeah. a slow process of building this trust with this yeah. person. Right. Then one day they'll so so what it. What about what about that treatment thing? And it's like, yes. <laughs> yeah, we work on them real slow. Great time. No, I'm excited about it. I want to get more involved in this. Obviously, I don't want more people to overdose. I but. had to really come to terms with, the, because Brandon would say, we've got a QRT call, and I would go, yes. And then I'm like, okay, that's not, no. Not, you know, you're excited to, but yeah. So I, I get what you're saying. But there is the opportunity because of your relationships mm-hmm. in the community. You can, it's called active outreach. Yeah. You can engage proactively. Again, I would say this, the numbers look differently because obviously you're not getting someone in a, in a moment of crisis that you know, just remembers that they overdose. But as long as the bosses understand that the numbers might look different because we're engaging people at different points in time, but we're just introducing ourselves. We're making ourselves available for the conversation. So it's almost like the community center is mobile. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so while we're the quick response team, we're also offering all the services, just letting you know. So whether it's the family members or the individuals, we're we're here for you. And if you know what, if you need us, just holler. You know? Yeah, I think that's why it works well with the community center. Is hey, we get to go out, do this stuff, and then one day they get to come in to the sure. community center, and it's the same same faces that, that they've they've seen before. And it just yeah. builds it builds a really that's, nice that's, stuff. It's funny you call that because when I. 
I built an old bar. I, I didn't build an old bar. I gutted an old bar that had, I'd never been in any other time than like 2.30 in the morning my whole career. And uh, it had been vacant for a lot of time, and I decided I wanted to, I wanted to buy this, and I'm going to gut it, and I'm going to turn it over, and I'm going to make this a community resource center and build that. And, you know, we did. And it became the home for our Family Justice Center for Domestic Violence. It became the operating center for our quick response team. And seeing the community take that on and, and utilize that center for good and for, for positive engagement was unbelievably cool. So just knowing that it's a welcome place, mm-hmm. you know, and whether, you know, you got didn't think I was going to need toys in the back for, you know, for <laughs> folks that had children, yeah. you know, do you have a space to play? Do you have, all, like, I didn't think about that, you know, but as, as you saw over time, the evolution of this space that made folks, because to your right, people told us people pull in the driveway and never get out of their car. Right. They'll watch others get out of their car and come in to see how long were they in there, under what they, you know, maybe they talk to them when they come out. Who knows what's going to happen, but just sit back and let the community connect and understand and, and let them come to you. Don't be too energy because your energy is all like, come on, we, we got all this stuff. Right. And it's just like they'll come to you over time. And they talk when they leave. They share that story and that experience. It was like, they were really cool. How'd it go? They were nice to me. They, you know, they had good food, whatever that is. They had good snacks or whatever. Um, it's just, uh, it's just a uh, wow, right? We'll be right back. Every day, an average of 130 people die from an opioid overdose. Opioid overdose is the leading cause of death among adults 15 and younger in the United States. The Loxbox helps save the lives of overdose victims, and there are now over 600 units installed nationwide, but we can do better. Each unit increases access to naloxone, it reduces the stigma that's often associated with opioid overdose, and it works to save lives one box at a time. We hate that there are so many places in this country that need Naloxbox units, but the truth of the matter is there are still so many more that need them. Although rescue should not be the only strategy used to address this epidemic, it remains a very important one. You have the chance to improve victim outcomes and the chance to reduce overdose deaths. Whether you're in the private or public sector, you can make a statement that you care. You can install in a lockbox, and you can help us save lives. I'm going to brag on us a little bit here. <laughs> Go ahead. Know, uh, <laughs> but uh, the numbers last month for us is, you know, we do support support meetings there. And we had over, our attendance was well over a, in a thousand for our support help meeting. And we're a rural community. But that mean there was a thousand people come in and, and didn't. And some yeah. of them were the same people, of course, sometimes. But still, oh, yeah. over yeah. a thousand people coming in for support do groups. Do you have and, any idea this, the the span of your engagement, like how far out of a reach, like to get zip codes or anything. So you could say they're, you know, they're coming from Illinois or they're coming from, you know, a 50 mile radius. Do you have any idea without? No, I mean, we've got some guys that do come in from Illinois because I mean, the river's right there. Um, and girls, um, we get a lot out of the Paducah area, Mm -hmm. some out of graves, some out of, of some other areas. Livingston County. Livingston. Yeah. Uh, so, what I've noticed is the reach is expanding, and I can tell that just by 
by who's coming in and and, and the Ballard too. People come in from Ballard yeah, County as Ballard. well. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I mean, so we're, we're starting to touch all the little counties around us as well. So it's like you walk through the parking lot just to see the different county stickers. <laughs> on the, like, oh, I haven't seen one of those before. That's that's cool. Again, because we always we always talk about people get tied into what services are available within their own county, mm-hmm. their own city. It's like look outside, spread. Talk to other folks, build the relationships across county lines, and do these kinds of things so you can be of help to each other. Because you know what? You just don't know what someone might need. You can't have everything, but if we're working collectively together, ah, the folks up in Livingston County or Marshall County might have a source or resource that we hadn't used before, but now today we need it. So that's cool. And, and some of our people come in from other treatment centers when they get out. Oh, yeah. uh, we do outreach to treatment centers in the area. This is this area of western Kentucky it's it's rules but Paducah is like the center spot and then you also have Merrill Murray which is also a kind of a center spot so a lot of people will come in for shopping that kind of nature because it's real rural outside of the county and some of these treatment centers are out there and but if they're coming back this way they're sure quick to tell them about us and you know things of that nature and if I need somebody if I need a bed those I mean they're they're right there on it too. So absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah. that's what's so important about community partners. Yes, sir. Absolutely, yeah. you're absolutely right. And that's yeah. getting easier and easier too. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. you just make a phone call, and yeah, you can get them in that. Matt, I've cut you off twice, so go, buddy. No, go ahead. <laughs> I was just I gonna say what I love about it so much is it's so mutually beneficial, not only to like us reaching out and helping them, but how much it helps us. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely. Sam said, like this job is awesome because of how it rewards me spiritually and being able to help people. But like, you know, if you're in meetings, they always say the newcomer reminds you of, you know, where you were, but like going out on these calls, that's really reminding me of where you were and being able to give back and help someone in that position, knowing that you've been there before and forming those relationships with other counties and other people who are trying to help people unity. And this is so important. So that's, that's why it's so amazing to me. Absolutely. If, as long as we get the insurance worked out, normally we we anymore. It's I, that yeah. day. I'm going to get somebody into treatment that day. Yeah. If if I've got two or three hours, it's going to get done. That's cool. Uh, yeah. It, it's an amazing journey to think about how far. I mean, because I always like to say, yeah, this is one of the first opi- you know opiate arrests, oxy arrests. You think back it was like in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking like this is 25 years. Yeah, you know, twenty five years, and we still are. It's not like we have a handle on it. No. So, you know, how many more generations, and how many generations have been lost because of loss of life and loss of family, and you know, what are we given? And it, again, it just reminds me, and I, I love seeing. I just did a, a conversation with the young ladies in college, and she's like, "I want to keep working." I'm like, "Thank you, mm-hmm. thank you," because your energy at twenty two is important because it can't all be as old like me. Seeing we we gotta. You got to, the fact that you understand its importance and you're going to commit to this and you want to do this work gives us hope that, you know, we've got, we got folks that understand and we're building yeah. up an education and an understanding with the next generation that we got to keep fighting and be a part of this. So it's important. And to get, working with the community, me and Matt had the opportunity to go talk to a high school <laughs> not too long ago. And, uh, <laughs> We're, it's in Livingston County, yeah. and we're we're in this room, and there's all these kids, and, and, and because I mean, not too long ago, me and him was in trouble. Now, now we're 
we're in a room full right. of kids, impacting Freshmen. young people, trying to right. impact right. young people, and right. it's just for the, all the right reasons. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, this happened really fast, you right. know. And uh, but I mean, that's the kind of stuff we get to do all the time, and it's 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 that I think you're responsible. I'm responsible for the effort. I think yeah. you know that's that's it. And the outcomes. Yeah. They'll be there, but I am responsible for that effort. Oh, I love it. We, I used to call it knowledge, opportunity, desire. Knowledge is the training and that you receive the opportunities if we give you the chance to do something you otherwise wouldn't do, but desire is completely you. Mm-hmm. That's where the heart is and how much you care, how much you want it. That's what you present to others, and that's how you represent not only yourself but the organization when you walk out the door. And, you know, not everybody has that desire. Yeah. Not everybody has a desire to, wow, you know, because, I, I mean, Stand in front of school, high school students. That's I mean, <laughs> it was an experience. I'd much rather go into a bar fight. You know, I'm, plus right. it was like four groups, so we had to like tell our story over and over and over again. I was like, did yes. I already say this to this group or that group? Uh, but it was it was an awesome a, experience. That's an intimidating crew. Yeah. Yeah. We did we did middle schoolers. I've done middle schoolers twice, and they grown ups are like. Especially in meetings, and they've been there, so they're nodding like yes. Kids, that, are, kids are just like. You know, just want you to. They're intimidating. Oh, no. I've, I've never done high school. I don't know that. I'd, I don't know that that'd be my tough crowd. Fun. Tough crowd. <laughs> we'll get you in on one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'll go for moral support. Absolutely. <laughs> well, awesome, Dan. I appreciate what you're doing, man. Uh, we're glad to be a part of it and mm-hmm. helping out and saving lives, trying to save lives. Um, just remember, we're on YouTube. Uh, click the link in the description. We also can be available on uh, just the audio versions on Google, Apple, Spotify, Podbean, all that stuff. So uh, you guys tune in again. Stay grateful. Thanks, Dan. Oh, thank you. It's an honor. Thank you for being If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction or in recovery and needs guidance, Speak with Turning Point's team of peer support specialists by calling 270-444-3621. You are not alone, and we are proof that recovery is possible.